All right. Well, good day. Well, welcome to this Wednesday's uh, Talk Podcast. Uh, sitting around the table today, we've got Courtney, Zach, Matt, Sammy, and myself, John. And uh, how's everybody doing today? Doing great. Wonderful. Good, good, good. Fantabulous. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Fantabulous. I like it. Let's take that for a word of a day, Zach. I think we could probably talk about the weather because this uh, this rain ain't going anywhere, right? Even if this is six months out. Yeah, that's right. We are, welcome to the Pacific Northwest. We are a couple uh, a couple weeks ahead on the podcast, but it's pretty safe to say that when you're listening to this, it'll be raining. Outside. It'll be raining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got plenty. I of never farmers. thought about working for Starbucks until the last couple of weeks, and now I'm thinking I could live in Seattle. That's uh-huh. right. You think you could? Yeah, I think we have more rain than they do. I think well, we might. Why, why working for Starbucks though? Well, or was the first, that was the first, the first one in well, Seattle. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I could go to corporate. He's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm yeah, going to Seattle. If he's going to work in the coffee industry, he's going to work in the best he's coffee be industry. The, best the original. We should be Black Rifle Coffee Company or something. I'll tell you. I want some of that coffee. Yeah. The Black Rifle Coffee well, yeah, Company. So if you're listening, you got a tie to the Black Rifle Coffee Company. Send us uh, maybe a we can sample. sponsor it. You yeah, know, like a sample. If you want to sponsor the show here. <laughs> We'd As love I to. sip on my Folgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, help us, coffee industry. I did hear a guy talk about, that if he said uh, here from a weatherman, that if we didn't get any more rain from here until August, we would be at our year's normal. So that's pretty crazy. I wow. prophetically make a prediction. Yes. I Look love out. when you do this. We shall have a <laughs> drought this summer. Okay. <laughs> and it's documented right now. It's going to happen. It's going to happen probably last week of June through 1st of August. So hold on. Hit the lights and then you do your best Elijah. What do you say? <laughs> no rain. <laughs> so uh, so not for three months. <laughs> only for about six weeks. Yeah. So when the drought happens, everybody can blame Sammy. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that's what will happen. Right now, we're complaining about the rain, yeah. and and then in the drought, we'll say, "Oh man, we need some rain, man. We need some rain bad." Yeah, and it reminds me of one of my favorite books. I know y'all don't read, but uh, one of my favorite books. You can't read. Actually, that's more. Important. <laughs> yeah, way to make fun of. Thanks a lot. Anybody listening, you can't read. John, I've like never that. learned to read. <laughs> no, but one of my favorite books is by John Steinbeck. He writes a book called East of Eden. And he's describing the, the valley there in Northern California. I think it's in Northern California. And he, and he talks about one of the lines that stood out to me. I remember reading it, and it's, it's just, uh, it's, I'll never forget it. He said, it never failed. In the dry seasons, people forgot all about the wet seasons. Mm-hmm. And in the wet seasons, people forgot all about the dry seasons. Yeah. I thought, boy, that's profound. And, I mean, that's just so true. And, that's, and that goes for everything, not just the weather outside. Well, I had a very wise farmer tell me one time who had a sixth grade education. <laughs> And did not write a book, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was a profound statement. Prior to you all being born in the early 80s, we had a very severe drought that summer. I think it was 83, 83 or 84. It was like eight weeks. And uh, I stopped by this. I was doing a weekend ministry, and this farmer stopped by, and everybody was really worried and struggling. And he looked at me, and he said, he said, Sambo. He said, it'll rain a day before it's a day too late. Mm-hmm. He said, I trust God. It's going to rain a day before it's a day too late. So I always thought about that. It'll either yeah. it'll either rain or it'll mm-hmm. stop raining before it's a day too late. I see a cloud. <laughs> That's right. 
And everybody survived it. You all are here. I just always thought, you know, growing up and working on the farm, like, living in Kentucky is always interesting. Because the minute you get used to it, Kentucky laughs at you and does something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, we're talking about rain right now. And then you're but probably you know, right. The, probably the, be a the weather is really, really strange. I know you all don't golf, but... The Pebble Beach Pro-Am was this weekend, and during in Pebble Beach, California, during the tournament, they had a hailstorm. They had to stop the tournament, and the whole course was covered with an inch of hail. Wow. It was the most bizarre-looking thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And three hours later, they were playing. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding that's how it changed now. that quick. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> It was crazy. It was golf ball sales hell. No, my ball's over there. That's right. <laughs> except, except my ball's the orange ball. <laughs> except for Bubba Watson, he uses the yellow ball. Right. He's like, I'm, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> well, good, good, good. Um, so uh, yeah, so last week we talked about life and the value of life, and that kind of opened up a doorway mm-hmm. to our conversation today. Real quick, let's let's uh, just look at if. <clears throat> If this is the first podcast you've listened to, last week we talked about the value of life and uh, specifically when it when it when it uh, comes to abortion and and uh, the sanctity of life. And a couple of key statements that we made last week were we said that you know life is important because we're created. Humanity is created in the image of God. Yes. There there is there is something special about humanity that needs to be valued, needs to be protected, and so that's why it's fairly easy for us to come to a conclusion that. Um, that ab- abortion um, is anti-God. It's, a, it's against what God's plan is. And so um, that's kind of where that conversation happened last week. Uh, am I missing anything that needs to be voiced as we go into today regarding last week? Are you for it or against it? Are you for it or against it? For it or against for it. it. Are, is that a question for, for me? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we all had a consensus to that. That we were against abortion. That's and in order to be really against abortion, one of the other parts of that is uh, is we need to be pro life and we need to we need to, we we should be huge advocates for adoption and uh, yep. And, and so along with so. that being pro life, while we are against abortion, we do sympathize with people who have um, you know had to go that route or chosen to go that yeah. route. Mm-hmm. And so there is grace available. There's That's mercy right. available. There's help yeah, available, and there's love. Don't forget that. And if you find yourself in that position today, yeah, then we would, you know, we would love you. If you, if you if you find yourself in your and you're thinking about having an abortion, we would love you. We'd encourage you, and we'd encourage you to get partnered up with ministries like the Nylon Pregnancy Center. Yeah, uh, don't go through it alone. Yeah, that's right. Because um, because you don't have to be alone. Uh, so so yeah, that's where we were last week. But that kind of opens up a door uh, when it comes to valuing life. And our huge thesis last week was that we value life. We value life. But then, on the other end of things, we have this conversation, and it, and it comes out as, okay, well, can you be um, against abortion and argue life and be for the death penalty, right? Uh, where's the consistency in that? Right. I think that's the, because above all things, uh, God is consistent, right? Mm-hmm. So... So let's let's talk a little bit today about capital punishment. Um, uh, and, and last week off the off the air, we had a, a small conversation about it. So I'd like to start off with um, I think the consensus of the room 
is uh, I'd like to kind of start off with that viewpoint, and, uh, and, and that and that is that a Christian. Um, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I think that you all said last week, for the most part, that that you were against capital punishment. Is that fair to say? <clears throat> no, that's not how I feel, but I mean, I understand why you would draw that conclusion, because it appeared that way. I, I think there's a difference between the death penalty and capital punishment. I think there's a, defi okay. a defining difference. Okay. My statement would be that I would be in favor of uh, if there is a a uh, capital crime and a murderer is within plain sight of the authorities, I feel like that they ought to have the right to take that person out mm -hmm. because lives are being endangered. It's the lesser of evils. There's people that are dying. The guy's got a gun in his hand. It's obvious he's the killer. They've seen him kill someone. Yeah. I think our authorities ought to have the right to be able to take that person out as quickly as possible uh, for the protection of everybody else involved, a la school shootings, um, Jason Aldean concert, et cetera, et cetera. And, and a clarifying point there is, I mean, currently our authorities here in America do have that right. For the <clears throat> now, in, in recent days, you're having more and more lawsuits Right. Coming out against police officers who have used that right, but no, but our our common law is our our, our law. Right. Um, so I just want to make the distinction yeah. though that I would be for that. I have other reasons why that I'm leery, and in by way of confession, uh, not sure <laughs> about how I feel about the death penalty. Yeah. And I think that's right. a different to me. It's they're two separate issues. So. That's how I feel about it. So, so let's, let's define capital punishment. Capital punishment is when a, a, an authority, uh, a, a person has been given authority over others. For example, police officer. They have the authority then to take a life to protect others. Multiple lives. Right. right. Or a singular other yeah, life. Could right? be. That's right. That's what you're thinking about when you talk about <clears throat> capital punishments, right? That's how I feel about it, yeah. Are there any other definitions? I guess the definition that I, I walked into the room thinking about was specifically capital punishment being the authority of the state to execute someone. Right. So I was thinking more death penalty. I mean, from, from that point of view, I, I think at, at one time or another, I've been on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think... I, I think as a Christian, you you have to wrestle with it. Sure. And I think you're gonna. I think there's some days that you're gonna fall on one side and you're gonna fall on the other. And I think for me, I've wrestled with it. I'm still to this day. Every time I watch something, you know, some court case. Like the other night, I was watching a thing about uh, Casey Anthony, and you know, she ended up getting, uh, you know, she got off. She didn't. She didn't get punished at all, even though I'm pretty sure everybody in the world thought. Do a quick synopsis of that case. Uh, she had a two-year-old. It went missing for, I don't know, something like 60 days before they found it in the woods. Uh, and she told all these crazy lies leading up to it. You know, the body was in the trunk of the car. Uh, just really, you know, sickening things that you don't want to think about happening to a two-year-old. And then everybody, you know, all the evidence that was in the court and then, all of a sudden she gets off. And I remember thinking, you know, people like that, I could see why we would want to say, give her the chair or whatever, you know. Uh, but then at the same time, in a, in a murder investigation that's, you know, first degree murder and there's no proof, there's no real evidence of, you know, the body was in the woods for that long and there's no real evidence to it. 
How can you be on that jury and have to decide this person's going to get the death penalty when the only evidence you have are a defense lawyer's, you know, possibly made up uh, situation of what happened versus a prosecution's possibly made up version of what happened. Trying to create reasonable doubt. There's no reasonable, you know, there's, there's a million pieces of reasonable, reasonable yeah. doubt, you know? Uh, so how do you, you know, it's easy to have a knee jerk reaction and be like, Yes, absolutely. I'm, we're we're pulling the trigger. It's according to how you're emotionally involved, in right. my Opinion. But then there's the case of uh, you know Scott Peterson a few years ago found his wife at the bottom of the stairs, right? Uh, went to jail for eight years for it. That's right. Come to find out, probably didn't do it. Yeah, got out. And you could have easily been on that jury and said that guy did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give him the death penalty and. And people would have been like, I think that was the right decision, but then it wasn't. What do you do? So that's why, like, I feel like today I kind of lean against the death penalty because of things like that, because we have an imperfect system. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there are 284 cases right now that have been reversed because of new DNA evidence mm -hmm. that prove these people who are on death row did not commit the crime. That's disturbing to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very disturbing to me. So here's where I land. I'm just going to wrap it up in a nutshell. In that particular case where there's doubt, yeah. I would, I would, I approach it the same way that I approach somebody who walks in this office with an issue in their mind or head or heart or whatever it is. I think I would rather err on the side of grace than err on the side of judgment. Mm-hmm. I'll take that chance. Yeah. I think biblically. That's where I land. Mm-hmm. So, because I feel like that, I because I don't have the ability to uh, have the justice of God in yeah. me, I don't have that ability. So I would turn that over to Him. Um, but I've I've been touched by this personally. So, uh, and I'll share that with you in a few moments. Well, so that's. If you will, bear with me, and I'd like to lay out kind of my framework for how I come to my conclusion, because I am probably more supportive of the death penalty uh, than you might be, perhaps. At the same time, understanding that the the system is flawed. Yeah. Understanding that if there was no flaw in the in the system, I would be much more for the capital punishment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so let me let me get to how I make that. Or why I make that, and, and then we can talk through that. First thing I'd start with is Genesis 1, which is where we started with last week, and humanity is created in the image of God. That image of God is God's, the biblical designation for the unique nature for us. All human beings are valuable, and they have worth. And that's established by God. That's where I would start with. Humanity should be valued. And then you fast forward a couple chapters in Genesis. Um, Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, you know, sin was so rampant, God created the ark and saved mankind through Noah and his family. And after that flood, in Genesis 9, verse 6, uh, God says to Noah, he says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Okay? So this, this command that God gives is not, referring back to earlier podcasts, this is not a, a law for Israel. 
this is not a law for a specific people group. It's for all people group, mm-hmm. right? It's it, it's a it's an. How do you mess that with Cain not being his life not being taken? Say that one more time. With Abel and Cain, which is the first murder pre-Hebrew law, and they didn't. God didn't strike him dead. He marked him. I, I well, so I in in that case, I would argue that Cain's. Um, uh, statement when he says, "God, it's just too much to bear." I look at that as a as a re, as a repentful. Um, so, if somebody sentence. commits murder and they repentful, then it doesn't apply. Well, well, perhaps. So let's let's get there. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get there. Okay. That's, I'm I'm just trying to find a consistency in I, it. I'm with you, but the the consistency well. I don't know. Is a consistency for me to prove there? I, I don't know. I'm so, asking so, a question. So, so it's God's edict, right? That says here in Genesis nine, if someone kills a man by man, shall his blood be shed. I don't know if there's another way to interpret that passage. Well, you can interpret so, it through uh, self defense. You you could, but that's putting limits on the text that the text doesn't give. But it's man spilling man's blood. Right? Well, that, that's giving, that's giving, uh, again, that's putting context around something that's where that doesn't exist. But it also that's leaves inferring it, stuff it there. leaves it kind of vague, doesn't it? Well, I, 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 th- I think that's the reason that legislation now has Article B 1.2.659. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> how so they get it down to the detail. I think Cain might have been grandfathered in. He he did it before the edict was given. <laughs> I think I think the lawmaker has the the right and the authority to change the laws as he sees fit. That's why well, God's not fair can be an argument from our point of view, and I get that. However, the Creator doesn't have to be fair by our standards. Not at all. True. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where that falls into. That was. That was on God, but this is the command to man, and this is right after the flood. This is right after annihilation of mankind. Yeah. Right? It's right after a lot of blood had been spilled. Right. And God says, okay, human life is to be devalued. This command was given to Noah after the flood as the head of the second race. Um, it wasn't intended for a particular age or nation, uh, such as other Old Testament laws. Uh, it was meant to be followed continuously, I think. <clears throat> Well, how else would there be in world order in a time when there was no law? That's right. There had to be some kind of civil order. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and one of the notes that I've, I've got here is is this law served as an announcement of a general principle of just, justice. It's a revelation of the will of God. This is God. Again, in the Old Testament, we see God revealing himself to us, and this is a you know, through these texts, we see the heart and the will of God. Um, the other important thing I think to point out here is the reason for this, the why for this. He says, whoever sheds the blood of man by his blood, uh, by man shall his blood be shed. For the reason why is because God made man in his own image. And so the reason behind this statute is because mankind is made in the image of God. Right. So we've been talking about David and Israel in this series, and you've said a few times that God is 
said to Israel, don't have a king, I want to be your king. Mm -hmm. Is this laying out justice so that God will be the king of his own people? Mm -hmm. I would say so. I think that's valid. The problem is, for me, is that it, it's the statement says, if man sheds blood by man, his blood shall be shed. There's no if, buts, or maybes about that. He shed man's blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no reasonable doubt. Yeah. So, but. Okay. So my point is, is that, you know, that's ultimate justice, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, I, I believe if somebody steals something and somebody sees them steal something on the camera and it's obvious, then there ought to be a conviction for theft. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's also many, many cases where somebody gets accused of theft yeah. because maybe they're in a lower social economical status and there's no proof and, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, we're seeing that in our political that's arena right. right now going on with all the stuff that's happening with what's going on in our highest offices are our land, all the debate and lawsuits yeah. and everything that's going on. So I, I'm just saying that, it, to me, that's that's a clear-cut clear statute, as you put it, or principle that I don't think there's any question about. Yes, and so... Which, it, I, to me, falls under what I said at the beginning, like a police officer yeah. taking a life of somebody. He has no doubt. Yeah. 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 I think that our confusion comes with... The all the, is with all the cut. ifs, buts, and maybes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. In an absolute case, this is God's God's law, His edict that can be followed. But the problem is, we live in a very un, uh, a world that's cloudy, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes what we see isn't what we see. Sometimes absolutely, you know. You know so you ha you have somebody runs into this room with a gun and commits a crime. The police show up 15 minutes later and starts taking witness statements. I'm pretty confident that most of us would have different events of what happened. Well, he might have been wearing a red hat. Well, no, he's wearing a black hat. I mean, that's been studied time and time again. So our memories, our perception often deceives us. And so, so that, yeah, I get that. I, I get that. Um, I also uh, found a really neat passage in, in Romans, the New Testament, because so far I've talked... Out of the Old Testament of why uh, capital punishment could be approved, um, but uh, but well, you know, some people. Well, we're a New Testament church, yada yada yada. That's for that's old, outdated. Well, let's talk about the, the New Testament because Paul in Romans thirteen, uh, it could be argued, uh, seems to endorse capital punishment uh, himself, and, and and that being capital punishment of the Roman authorities which is not a Christian nation or anything like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so here, here's what happens. Um, and I kind of summarize in Romans 13, 1 through 4. Uh, Paul says, every person, every believer, specifically, he's talking to believers, every believer should be subject to the governing authorities. He says, in John, which is paraphrased, do good, follow the law, and you'll be in good standing. If you do wrong, though, be afraid. And then here's the quote. Because he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, if Paul's saying that, it appears that Paul is saying that there are some instances, some offenses, where the 
penalty of death is an appropriate penalty. According to the governing authorities, mm -hmm. right? Our pushback last week is that we believe our governing authorities are wrong when it comes to abortion. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There's the tension. Well, and we'll get more there here in just a second. So dealing with this passage, Paul says, it, he seems to say that there are some offenses where the death penalty is appropriate. Uh, he, he does say, he, and he's previously said that believers are not to avenge themselves. He said that in 1219. But the state has the right to avenge the wrongdoer. All right. So he's saying that there's no, you know, this idea of vigilante justice and stuff. No, you don't have the right to avenge yourself in these cases. The state needs to do that. So it would be wrong, for example, if someone were to come into my house, kill my wife, and leave. It would be wrong and sinful for me to track them down and kill them. Right? Absolutely. Right. That would be a wrong, that would be a sinful thing. Paul's saying you can't do that. Um, uh, the right has the state has the right to avenge the wrongdoer at least for the sake of public order. That's kind of what Paul's point is there, right? So we all, for the most part, I think, agree with that. Uh, it could be argued that a person clearly guilty, and that's our rub, a person clearly guilty of unlawfully taking a life, can be subject to capital punishment. Out of Romans thirteen. Everybody in favor? Everybody okay with that? <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. The rub is when the trial goes wrong and the innocent are found guilty, and we've alluded to that. We know that some have been killed by capital punishment uh, and died and died innocently of the crimes that they were committed of. And that's where the hard thing is, right? Yeah. And so, I guess you have two responses with that, right? You can say, well, it's better to sacrifice a few for the hope of getting the bad one's taken care of. You know what I mean? Or you turn to the side and say, you know, let's abolish the whole system because there's a flaw in the system. I almost, right. I almost interpret that as Paul writing to the zealots of the time because they would do an attack on uh, Roman guards, like Roman an insurrection. And yeah, yeah, they would try and, you know, get them out. And so, there's multiple accounts of them attacking Roman soldiers. And then because the zealots would then flee to the hillside, they might just drag uh, innocents from the streets and crucify 20 or 30 of them. And so I can interpret that as Paul writing to them saying the governing authorities are here. And if someone did something wrong, then they deserve this. But don't lash out because this is getting innocents killed. Yeah, yeah. And, and Paul was clearly against like the the revolts that were happening there. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he, Paul was a pacifist. Yeah, I think it's well in in all of the early church, what prevailed? It wasn't the insurrection or mm -hmm. you know them fighting back. It was love that mm -hmm. prevailed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, one of the neat examples, and we've referred to him several times. You know, when Paul's writing this. Uh, there's no way in the world he's not writing from a framework that we're sitting and reading in, and we, and we need to acknowledge that when we come to the Bible. Yeah. Like he's he's living in a world that is governed by a uh, by a power and authority, and he I mean they're just a small movement, right? Mm -hmm. In no way, shape, or form does he think that his little movement can make a political impact in the nature of his day. There's no way he could have that foresight, right? As we do now, 
Christians today have, we live in a democracy or a republic where we can vote, where we can uh, at least in some ways have a voice uh, in the system. Paul was absolutely opposed to ideas of revolting against the authorities that were in place. He was probably a pacifist, but what happens when, uh, what do personal pacifists do in extreme cases? When, 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 when the fecal matter hits the fan, like what's, what's a pacifist to do? And Dietrich Bonhoeffer had that situation. He was a pacifist. Uh, he was a, a pacifist in Germany, uh, but ultimately he participated in a plot to kill Hitler because uh, of the magnitude of the evil that was happening with uh, the Third Reich, with the party. <laughs> the right? What do you think is a good definition of pacifist? I have trouble with that because I think generally being passive is a negative trait. But, but that's my connotation. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is a good definition? Well, I think, yeah, I think conjured up in the minds of some people are a bunch of hippies in a commune somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Who don't? And I don't think I would consider myself that. But I'm probably not making hard and fast decisions about like swift justice. But you also don't walk back into Starbucks when they get your order wrong and slam it into the girl's <laughs> head, right? You're just like, that's not that bad. That's true. Yeah. I'll drink it. Yeah. It's a caramel macchiato, and I, yeah. I didn't want to. That's mostly for my convenience, yeah. to be honest. But anyway. so, so I, I think, um, at least in the terms, in the way that I'm using it today, a pacifist is someone who's not uh, causing an uprising or. Leading a revolt. I saw a definition of, of a pacifist the other day. It said it was it was a liberal who is too lazy to start a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then it had an image of a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> so I don't. You know, I, I I think that's what it is. A pacifist is someone who's not who defers. I think sometimes the pacifist is someone who says, you know what, that's not my ballgame, that's not my deal, I can't do anything about that. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, Jesus could be uh, you know, labeled as a pacifist. Big right? time. Yeah, I think big so. Time. Yeah, big time. I think so. Yeah. You know, the biggest pushback we have on these issues like this that are so controversial is is that there's obviously a lot of confusion with even among us as, as trying to follow Christ as to when is there, um, when is there uh, a point where we say the law is wrong? And I think because there are inconsistencies in the law of the land, we struggle with all this. It, it's a bigger conglomerate to me than yeah. just this particular issue. That's right. And because there's so many holes and there's so many problems, I mean, for instance, I said, made a statement earlier about, you know, please see somebody who's, you know, they should be able to have that right. On the other hand, we have those kind of people that are spending 40 and 50 years in our prison system. And I'm, and my question is why? I don't understand that. Those why didn't they, people, uh, people who, have, who have obviously, you know, their bodies are found in their, in their kitchen, in their free, freezer, and they admit to it. They yeah. confess the crime. Yeah. And we keep, you know... I'm not so sure. Capital punishment has not been handled swiftly mm -hmm. and accurately. And I think that that is the pushback on it. So then you have laws in place to try to protect the innocent. And yet it has actually flip-flopped and hurt some innocent. So I think that that confusion 
like I said, with the 300 cases just recently of DNA flipovers from guilty yeah, to innocent, yeah. I mean, it creates a lot of pushback in saying, I'm not sure any of it works very yeah. well. Yeah. So it's kind of, a, you kind of want to pull a pilot and kind of wash your hands of the whole thing. But on the other, on the other hand of it, yeah, on the other hand of it, uh, we have a moral obligation. You know, I mentioned the word revolution a while ago. We claim to be a part of a Jesus revolution of changing our culture. I think that could be considered a revolution. We are trying to change your culture through um, the love of God that Zach mentioned a while ago. So right. if, you're, if you're trying to do that, what is the balance of that? And this is where people get confused about their marches on Washington. I've never participated in a march on Washington, even though I have strong opinions about some of the issues that have been proposed mm -hmm. to Washington, D.C. and our, our legislators. So, you know, who's guilty and who's innocent and all that? Yeah. Am I as guilty because I don't take more of a stronger stand to be more pro-life, for example? Or, and should I go to the marches that happen in our local government down at Frankfurt? But my problem is, is that we've had people right here in our community that have gone down to marches in Frankfurt, for example, and this is what the frustrating part of me for me is, they go down to marches in Frankfurt because they want to do away with leash laws on dogs, and they chain themselves to dog houses. I know people who have yeah, done that yeah. right here in this community, and right over across the way is the memorial for uh, the pro-life and anti-abortionists. And I'm thinking, okay, a dog and a human being. Yeah. Right. And I just go to myself, I go, I don't want any part of the all of that kind of yeah. goofiness. Well, so, I mean, not that you're asking me, but I think when Paul's writing, specifically here in Romans 13, he's saying, look, be a good citizen in the community that you're in. We have to right? do that. It's be a moral a good obligation. But I think beyond that, he had no idea of ever thinking that that we would be sitting here today in a world where we have the opportunity. We have a, a rich blessing in this country specifically oh, yeah. Yeah. where we can verbalize disagreements with the government. And I think, I would argue, we have a moral responsibility to stand for the things that God stands for clearly. And I think, regardless of how you feel about capital punishment in and of itself, I think we all agree that God values life. Yes. Right? And the, the purpose, the purpose of this, of back in, uh, in Genesis 9, the purpose of this law is to uphold innocent life, right? If someone is purposely taking a life of someone, or intentionally taking a life of someone else, being murderous, attacking the, the image of God that's indwelling in other human beings, that person needs to be annihilated, God says. The purpose of that is not to kill people. The purpose is to preserve life, Right? And so, in our situation, in our context today, I think it's incredibly important that we stand for the overall principle behind this, which is upholding life. Now, if that means, because we live in a society, in a, in, in a world where, uh, where there are legal complications to proving guilt or innocence, we can get it wrong. We live in a flawed system. I'll fully acknowledge that. I'm fully okay with saying, you know what? I've, and this is a change from last week, the more I've really worked on this. I'm fully okay with stepping back and saying, okay, let's not practice the death penalty because we could be wrong. Mm -hmm. However, in instances where body parts are found in the freezer, I'm much more okay with saying, okay, do what you do. 
Does that make sense? Well, we, you know, yeah. that, but, there, but, but the, again, that's justice versus maybe. That's right. right. Now, the, the, now, the other part of that is I, I think that we have a moral obligation as Christ followers in a society and in a culture where we can use our voice. I think we have a moral obligation to use our voice. And so I get really frustrated around elections, for example. Uh, not that I'm promoting anyone or any uh, party or anything. But I think that everyone, everyone, everyone who bears the name of Christ should use their vote when it comes to political matters. Sure. They should use their voice. Because Paul never envisioned that. How do you be a good citizen if you're not contributing to the society in which you live in? And that's part of Paul's point in Romans 13. And so I think we, we you, as Christians, we should use our voice to uphold the things that God's concerned about. And that is ultimately one of the biggest things is the value of human life. That's why I am staunchly against abortion. And um, I'm, I, I struggle with the adult who recklessly and wantonly takes a life. I think that's what we all struggle with. You know, I mean, it's a hard topic and there are so many things, so many different tangents yeah. that can go off on. And, you know, and, it, and, and, you know, it's like every other issue when it, it it's easier. It, it was always when I was younger in ministry for me to easily <laughs> say I had strong stances on certain issues. And as you get older and you experience life and things become more personal to you and you actually have that experience, whether it's how you feel about divorce or cheating on your taxes or whatever it may be, when you have a, when you have experience in hard issues, it causes you to kind of stand back and think a little differently. Yeah. And I ha- I was touched by this one, and I want to share a quick story yeah. with you. Um, when I was in high school, one of my best friends was a guy by the name of Anthony Gregory Wright. His we called him Tony. Tony was two years younger than me, and he rode. I gave him a ride every day to school. He came at age fourteen. I was sixteen. He rode with me to go to school, and I did that for uh, for the my junior and senior year of high school. We played football together. We're good friends. Went to church together. <clears throat> when we got out, when I got out of school, I lost touch with Tony. Uh, Thirteen years ago, his wife called me here at Leesburg, and uh, <clears throat> it was just out of the blue and it was crazy. And she said, "Sammy," she said, "Tony is on death row." in Texas for a crime he didn't commit. They're going to kill him. And they did. Um, They lethal injectioned him. Uh, The scenario, of course, Texas has a whole other set of rules than the rest of the country when it comes to capital crimes. Uh, His situation, in short, was this. He went down there. He was a trucker. He He was a trucker down there. He did have a drinking problem. And so he was arrested when he ran over a neighborhood mailbox with his tractor trailer. He was intoxicated. They put him in jail. Uh, part When he got out of jail, uh, he didn't have any place to go and he had no money. So he went to a halfway house temporarily to get his feet on the ground. At this halfway house, part of their regiment was they had to paint and clean and do different things at the halfway house. When he was in jail, he met a guy who also was in a similar condition. And when he got out of jail, he invited him to come to this halfway house to uh, stay there until he gets his feet on the ground. Tony comes in uh, one afternoon, walks into the kitchen. His friend is in the kitchen. 
the, the, the woman who ran the house was laying murdered in the kitchen floor and a knife was laying there. The guy stabbed this woman and killed her. He takes off running. Tony touches her, moves her, gets blood all over him, picks up the knife, moves it, changes the body, tries to do th different things. And changes it like moves it around. Yeah, like not changes clothes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just change, just changes everything. Um, the police eventually show up, and because his DNA and prints are on everything, he goes to prison and he gets nailed for the murder. Yeah. And they they gave him lethal injection over that. And I, I have, you can actually go online and see, there used to be, I haven't, I was wanting to look at it before I got here and didn't have time, but there were videos of him giving his story. And he was, he was a Christian guy too. He, he had renewed his faith during this whole process. And he was a Christian guy. And, you know, that was somebody that was close to me that I knew. Yeah. I knew his heart from when he was young. And, you know, listening to her talk to her about it, his wife, and then talk to the family about it. And they tried to stop it. They had no money. They couldn't afford yeah. attorneys to fight it. It was just, and it really changed my perspective on some yeah. things because it became personal to me at that point. And so then I thought, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And, and I think this is where we get, uh, all the confusion about this stuff and it becomes very hard and that's why I said at the beginning if it's not clear and yeah. you know I, 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 if I'm going to err I think I think I w would want to err on the side of grace on that yeah. I, I think yeah. that's where I want to land I, I understand that. And, and it's because of that experience so again it's things are based on our experience and that was mine yeah. you know I've heard another argument and I'd like to see what you guys think about it because I'm again not sure about how I feel about it but there are a lot of people that will argue that we should get rid of the death penalty uh, because as Christians, we would be taking away somebody's chance of possibly finding Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I've heard that argument. So, And it has happened, and it's not happened. Right, exactly. But even if you find Jesus, if you commit the crime, there's still consequences, there's consequences. just Absolutely. like there is for all of us in any decision that we make. We can repent of it. But I got to deal with the consequences of my earthly actions, which is why I think the obedience to the law of the land becomes very important for Christians to understand. Yeah. God's not your good luck charm to get you out of that's right. Uh, bail out of your yeah, problems. Yeah. There's still consequences. You know, for your actions. it's so funny. You know, and you, I'm sure you, you've all gotten these before. Um, here recently, I've gotten a prayer request. Please pray for my husband. He got a DUI and he has to go to court. And I'm hoping, you know, just pray that he doesn't get any punishment. Severe punishment. Well, it's not, you know, like, is he innocent? Well, no. <laughs> you know. On the other hand, I think, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people and have had an ongoing one with one I've already alluded to here in podcast past, a friend of ours that's incarcerated. And he says it's the best thing that ever happened to yeah. him. He realizes he was wrong, and it got him to reflect on his life and what he wanted to do and prioritizing it getting out, and I think that it was a good reflective time for him. I think he's going to be a productive citizen once he gets out. 
So, you know, I, it, there's, <laughs> this is the whole problem yeah, with yeah, this whole yeah, issue, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's just such a, it's a, such an emotional issue because uh, in the minds of society, death is so final when in reality, nobody gets out alive. That's right. The justice of God is the penalty of sin is we're all going to die. So that is, you know, if you want to look at it from a death penalty point of view, uh, we're all under that. You know, <laughs> the, I'm not sure. I'll have to dive in, Matt, going back to your question. I'd have to dive in a little bit. But I'm pretty confident that during the time of our New Testament writers, for example, the idea of a lifetime incarceration wasn't a thing. Right. Right? Like... I'm pr- I mean, you would be incarcerated for a time period, but not forever. And so, and, and usually, you know, Paul's cases, for example, his incarcerations are much more like house arrest than they are what we think about jail right. or prison. And so, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know if we get a good sense from the New Testament anyway of how to handle that other than all emotion and uh, experience aside. God values life, and we should too. Yep. And I think that's where I've struggled because the other part of that is, it innately, I don't care how pacifist you are, we all desire justice when a grave injustice has happened, right? Yeah. We all desire that. Well, it needs somebody needs to pay for this crime. Now we can. It's a lot easier to say use grace and lead with grace when it's someone else, as opposed to when it's you. Mm-hmm. You know. If my child is killed, it's going to be a lot harder for me to say grace, 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 value life, because my internal response will be murderous, you know. And so that's you know. But you know, on the other hand, Corey Tim Boom, her story. I don't know if you know much about her during the Holocaust and all that. She was confronted with the the person who. Uh, killed everybody she knew and loved in her family Mm -hmm. much much later in life when everything was civil once again and she uh she said she walked up to him and said with tears i forgive you because christ has forgiven me and i you know i look at somebody like that and i go oh man wow that's pretty it's pretty heavy and he was a he was one of the commanders that enforced the you know the deaths of a lot of innocent people is that she had a twin sister I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I recently you. saw a, a story where an older lady, she had a, a sister or a twin sister, and they were experimented on. Yeah, they were twins because they were experimented on, and that was part of their whole ideology. Yeah, I know. And Trying so genetics, like, stuff. but but later in life, of course, her sister, they both survived the the camps, and then uh, later on, her sister died because of complications to different medicines. They're still not sure what they were given. And, but then she uh, she reconnected with the doctor who was the the guy that, the, was, over the guy that was over it all uh, much later in life and she offered him forgiveness, forgiveness. And, and, and maybe there's something to do there with time yeah, it could and be the human heart you could know what I mean? totally um, yeah. but anyway the, the, I think the big principle is uh, is God values life and we should too. Uh, so now that we thoroughly have confused every single person that's going <laughs> to this, yeah. My suggestion would be is that we all very prayerfully uh, with without uh, prejudice, and I think that's the key, mm-hmm. either way, yeah. uh, try to consider 
the value of, of life. And, you know, it's a personal issue in some regards, and it's a corporate issue as a country as well. We have to be catalysts for uh, upholding truth and justice. You know, I've had Christians who have approached me and said, we need, we need to be more like they are over in North Korea. If somebody steals something, take them to the chopping block and cut off their hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or let's have public canings mm-hmm. or whippings or whatever it is for, you know. I mean, the truth is we've got more people incarcerated in America than the rest of the world combined. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's something wrong in that that's system. Right. Yeah, we've got a broke. Yeah. There's something wrong Absolutely. in that. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure what it is. Mm-hmm. I, and I think it, it comes down to there's just a lot of mass confusion about tolerance versus justice. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure where the balance, the right political balance is. I think scripturally we've identified the balance pretty well. Uh, we have to value uh, and uphold uh, life as much as we have the ability to do that. All right. Final thoughts. I heard that justice was the most searched word of 2018. And so I feel like this is on the minds of all kinds of people. And so That's interesting. as believers, we need to dig in and discern and figure out what what God says about these kind of matters. Right. I look back to the Old Testament and the New Testament and all throughout it, you see love your neighbor. And if we were doing that, then we wouldn't have capital punishment. We wouldn't have chopping blocks where hands would go off because we'd all be looking out for each other. Let's do more of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, what I would say is any of these hot topics or issues that we talk about on this podcast, uh, you yourself, as a Christian especially, should wrestle with them. Uh, Just because your family thinks one thing or your parents think one thing or the president thinks one thing or the guy behind the pulpit tells you one thing, if you don't know how you believe and you haven't wrestled with it, I would encourage you to do that. Um, because then you know you know what you you think on it, and and I believe if you wrestle with it, you have to talk to God about it, mm-hmm. and you have to get in His Word, and you have to find out for yourself. Uh, and I think that's always a win. Yeah, well, I would I would wrap it up by saying that we need to consider some of the things that Jesus taught about, uh, like parable of the talents, for example. When we're given an opportunity to make to invest. Yes, uh, and we bury our head in the sand. We are not doing the will of God, mm-hmm. and I think that's a clear-cut principle that Jesus did teach. Now, how that manifests itself in the individual's life, you got to prayerfully work through that. But I think that ignoring it certainly is not the answer. I think that's why we find ourselves in the problems that we have in America, particularly today, is that we've 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 allowed other people to think for us, as Maddie mm-hmm. alluded to. We've not um, had a voice, as you mentioned, and I think that we have to take very serious our responsibility. And what and, and our responsibility here at Leesburg is to go back to what Zach said. If we we believe Jesus is the answer, and you know we use that kind of as a some people use that as a cop out, but it really he it's really is the in, he really is the answer. If we can if we can lean into uh, the kind of life and can, and change the people's hearts. Yeah. of who are making decisions. And that's that's the voice that I have. If I can lead those who have more political prowess than I do to fall in love with Jesus Christ, then I think I can make a difference in, in changing my culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, take, I do take that very serious. You know. uh, let me give you a quick example of that. You know, we have one of our, um, I'm 
hesitant to, I'm not going to say a name, but we, one of, one of our leaders here at the church has a very prestigious position over one of the major hospitals in central Kentucky. And because he is a Christian and he values life, it has literally changed the culture of an entire hospital. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we have to invest in people like him that mm-hmm. has the, the intellectual prowess to be able to deal with those situations. And so I'm thankful that we have that opportunity. And, and that's maybe instead of holding up a sign and being obstinate in a picket line someplace, maybe we need to start working on changing the hearts of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's kind of how Agreed. I feel about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I had a, uh, my final thought with this would be that often my opinions and my emotions get in the way. Uh, yeah. And so I've got to, whenever there's a hot take, a hot topic, I've got to look at what is God's heart. And, and uh, we can clearly see throughout Scripture that God values life. Um, and, and then, you know, how that plays out, you know, I would say that God, uh, God sanctions the taking of a life to protect others. And we've alluded to that today. Um, uh, but we also understand you know, God's world and God's government. And when this was written, it's much different than the society in which we live. And our system is often broken. And so, you know, if I had to err, I would rather err on uh, on not taking a life because it could be wrong. Um, uh, so that's where I'd stand with that. And uh, again, just seeking to understand God's God's heart and God's can I, can I just say one more no, thing, John? Rapp, I, I want our listeners to understand because we talk a lot about a lot about very controversial subjects. You are entitled to have an opinion. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you and if you don't wrestle through, as Maddie said, some of this, um, in in my opinion, we make a greater mistake than if we just try to sweep it under the rug somewhere. So please understand that you're everyone, you know, I just don't want somebody listening to this and they get all, you know, bristled up and yeah. worked up and, and angry. Um, you know, let's, let's bathe it all in the concept of love and, and let's understand that we're allowed and privileged. And I'm thankful for that to have strong opinions on very hot topics yeah. and, and it's okay. It's okay. It's important I, I think I think it's important to have an opinion. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Otherwise, you can't practice. And so, you know, for me, I'm a firearms instructor. I've taught hundreds of classes of how to use a firearm in personal defense. Is there a conflict there with my Christianity, with my morality? I've had to wrestle through, you know, as a firearms owner and, a, and an instructor, under what circumstances would I... Uh, am I not only legally justified but morally justified? And and I've wrestled through those things because they matter. They matter. You've got to think through those situations. But in order know? to wrestle through it, you got to have discussions. Yeah, that's right. And by getting it's important. Bristled up, that's right. You know, yeah. you you just shut yourself down. And it's any... important to note that you know there there are times when I'm wrong. Like boy, yeah. So check that out. So last weekend, of course, our listener can't hear, but. Last week when we kind of prefaced this topic, I was very staunchly opposed much of what you all were saying. But as we, one, as we talk through what we mean by different things, 
we found common ground. That's huge. That's a big deal. It is. And, and it's then, important. And then secondly, I understood that, you know, there are some times where I am too hard and too fast. Mm-hmm. On the, I'm doing air quotes, justice yeah. side. And on the flip side, right? John, there's a lot of people that are too soft. And that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we use this idea of walking yeah. in love. And yeah. it's, we beg off it's, on it. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I think the importance of healthy debate is, is it's hugely yeah. important because uh, that's how you hash things out in a healthy way. That's why I love doing this podcast. But I read something. I don't remember where I read it, but it was talking about what rabbis used to do when they were talking about important topics during their day. They would all meet together and they would discuss how they were going to teach it. And if there was a, if it got heated, they would completely, they would shut it down and say, we're going to come back to this tomorrow mm-hmm. after we've went home and actually thought about this because they didn't want their ministry to cease because of their anger. Yeah. And I was like, that's a very interesting way to look at it as Christians. Like we can debate health. We, we just had a healthy debate. It can, yeah. it's totally possible people. Yeah. Yeah. We can do this. Uh, but if we do start to get heated, like, what is that doing out. to our ministry? Yeah, you know, or or our marriages or anything else. One of my favorite rules. Anything. Men and I have a fighting contract, and one of my favorite rules is twenty four hour timeout, yeah. up to twenty four hours. If we're heated and we can't, we we're at an impasse. One of us can call a timeout and say, "Look, we can't do this right now." This up to twenty four hours, and we'll set a time, and we'll talk about it later because it's important. You spend a lot of time in timeout, don't you? <laughs> I, 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 I live in he was set up good. I know. Yeah. I was just—it was right there. <laughs> Corey, you had something to say? Did you? I did. I thought you did. Oh, I just—we've seen even here. I don't think we realized that this would happen, but the difference of opinion and coming at it with biblical context is making us all better mm-hmm. at disagreeing and Absolutely. challenging yeah. us yeah. to think yeah. through things. And totally. Well, open I your mind, they, open your heart. Can't our people voice their opinion by contacting us by email or commenting? Yeah, com- absolutely. Comment, engage with us on social media, Facebook, Please Twitter. Do this. Uh, email us. If you have subjects that you'd like to hear us kind of go round and round about and kind of get a little bit of yeah. uh, dialogue about, we'd love to have those suggestions come in. Um, John yeah. just proved to us when you talk to us, you get smarter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to interpret it. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for the conversation today. Engage with us on social media. Uh, like, comment, share. Uh, feel free to rate us in iTunes. Uh, five stars uh, only. Five stars only. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Tune in next Wednesday. Bye, Bye everybody.